0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN
0: Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710 710.
2: Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on this Monday, August 9th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710 710 is how you slide in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me to at Gallant Says. I got to watch the Seahawks mock game yesterday. They won. Thank goodness. If they lost to themselves, I don't know what we would be doing today. But they won 22-3. to Not a whole lot of highlights to dive into. There was a Puna Ford fumble recovery for a touchdown. DK Metcalf had a nice catch down the left sideline. But there was one thing that stood out to me that I feel like is concerning for now and for the entirety of this 2021 season. It was one of the starters in this mock game. It was that... You saw Stone Forsyth, friend of the Danny Engelot radio program, at left tackle in that mock game. Nothing against Stone Forsyth, but goodness gracious, that is terrifying. That is not good. You want to have Dwayne Brown back in the fold. We've been wondering what's been going on with Dwayne Brown. After the mock game on Sunday, Pete Carroll was asked about Dwayne Brown's current status, if he's unhappy that he doesn't have a deal yet.
0: Dwayne and I are doing great. In, in, in our conversations about stuff, he's been he's been great, and uh, he, he's he's got he's making a statement. You know, he's he's making a statement and, and, uh, about what he feels he's, he needs to have happen. So,
2: Pete understands. Pete empathizes. The Seahawks probably think, okay, yeah, Dwayne Brown's done a really good job for us. This is a guy who had knee surgery to play for us in the playoffs, and has been an unbelievable rock on that offensive line, gutting through injuries being as good a pass protector as he is a mauler downfield. But at the same time, they're probably looking at things and saying, this is a guy who's going to turn 36 at the end of the month. And in the last year of his contract, do we really want to give him more money, another deal for the future when we're not 100% sure if he's going to be able to get through this season? And that's where the problem begins. Because you heard Pete Carroll say that Dwayne Brown's making a statement He's sort of making a statement by holding in, by showing up to practice, but not actually practicing. He can make a much bigger statement, and he has made a much bigger statement in the past. If you remember, when he was with the Houston Texans, this is the guy who sat out for half of a season before finally playing in that unbelievable Seahawks-Texans game before the Texans, the next day, Traded him. I remember speaking with him that Monday when I was working in Houston, asking him about his future with the team, and only a couple of hours later, all of a sudden, he had been shipped off to the Hawks. And since then, he's been really good. You need this offensive line to be at 100% going into the year. You need it to be that way. If you are all in for this year, Dwayne Brown needs to be in the fold. Period. He has you in a situation that isn't good. Look at your tackle situation right now. In fact, just look at your offensive line. Ethan Posick's dealing with a hamstring injury that he reaggravated in practice on Friday. Jamarco Jones is banged up. Cedric Obleehy, your backup swing tackle, he's banged up. That's why you had Stone Forsythe out there. You already are dealing with missing bodies on the offensive line. You can't afford to be missing Dwayne Brown, too. And look, things can get better over the next couple of weeks. We're early in the preseason. We haven't even played a preseason game yet. But... Take a look at the future, too. Dwayne Brown is a free agent at the end of this season. Maybe he comes back. You're not going to franchise tag him at 36 years old. I would doubt, at the very least, that you would go down that route. But you want him there for the first eight games of the season, and he might hold out for the first eight games of the season. That is a real threat, a legitimate threat, with him more than anyone else. He has done it before, and I want to make sure that that guy is in the fold right now. Pete Carroll was asked if Dwayne Brown would miss games. Here's what he had to say yesterday.
0: I don't know. I don't know that. He, he's not going to play in preseason. He wasn't going to, so um,
2: that's not going to make a difference right now. So that's Pete Carroll's perspective, but what's Russell Wilson's perspective? The same guy who criticized the offensive line earlier this off season. Maybe that's a factor in Dwayne Brown deciding, yeah, I'm not going to show up for practice. Maybe not. Who knows? But Russell Wilson was asked his opinion about Dwayne Brown's absence and if Dwayne Brown deserves a new deal
3: I, I mean not having Dwayne Brown out there is a you know pretty, pretty significant deal uh, because I think he's one of the best left tackles in the game you know I just there's no argument I think he's uh, you know as good as it gets there's nobody more athletic uh, more talented than he is um, you know age is just a number <laughs> you know uh, he's, 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 he looks like he's 28 30 out there you know he's really exceptional he's so smart and um, physical. Uh, understands the game, and I think people fear him. You know, just be honest with you. You know, when they're when they're rushing him and playing against him. So, uh, we definitely want to be able to get him back out there. You know, and, and uh, we got to figure that out because uh, you know he's he, we we need Dwayne Brown.
2: He's twenty eight, thirty years old in Russell's mind. People fear him. I mean, we know how Russ feels about this. Russ does not want to have any limitations to that offensive line going into the year. And a guy who's getting sacked forty times a season, who is now going to play in an extra seventeenth game. He's going to want to have his left tackle out there. Now, I'm not saying you make this move to make Russell Wilson happy. That's not a smart way to operate as a football team. But I am saying you want to have your team all in for 2021, don't you? Because doesn't the future of this team entirely depend on taking a step forward from where you were last year? I don't know if you're going to take that step forward if you're missing Dwayne Brown for a long period of time. If you don't have Dwayne Brown for the first... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks of the season or so. Are you going to have the best possible chance to give yourself home playoff games in front of the looming crowd, which was fantastic yesterday? They were booing kneel downs. That was hilarious. Are you going to give yourself the best opportunity to run the gauntlet? I know the Buccaneers did what they did going on the road before playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium. But that's an exception. You want to be that team to get a first round bye, if not to get a home game or a couple of home games along the way in this playoff run. And if you don't have Dwayne Brown there, a couple of sacks could be the difference. A pass rush that gets in Russell Wilson's face and makes him look the same way that he looked against those cover two defenses against the New York Giants, against the Los Angeles Rams towards the end of this past season. That can happen without Dwayne Brown on the field. So I say you get this deal You get this deal done some way, somehow. And I know it's not practical, but practical be darned at this point. You need to find a way to make sure that you are at 100% going into the season. And I'll be honest, I'm a little concerned about the Seahawks' offense's ability to stay 100% over the entirety of this coming year. I mean, think about it from this perspective. Yeah, you might have one of the best cores of talent, skill player-wise, in the league. You got Russell Wilson. You have Chris Carson at running back, arguably top 10. You have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, arguably number 1 wide receiver tandem in the game. And you have solid tight ends. I think you have, when healthy an average offensive line. But there isn't a whole lot of depth. And we've seen, in the case of both Tyler Lockett, who seems to not be 100% either of the last two years, or Chris Carson, who just gets hurt a lot because of that physical, aggressive running style that he runs with. And then you have the offensive line, too, where that's just a position that lends itself to getting hurt. I mean, all it's going to take is potentially one domino one card being pulled out of this house of cards and all of a sudden what happens do you really want to start without one of the most important dominoes important cards because that's what Dwayne Brown is I don't I don't want to risk it it's not the smartest thing in the world to give a 36 year old tackle a contract that would potentially be a giant albatross for you anchor for you next year if Dwayne Brown gets hurt along the way this coming season but what's your other option? How are you going to get a tackle for next season? You don't have a first-round pick. And the only tackles that are going to be available for you in free agency are going to be guys that no one wants. No one wants to pay. You're going to have to overpay for those guys because you're going to get into bidding war with all these other teams that say, oh, look, I need a tackle. You don't want to get into that because you're going to end up with someone like Nate Solder. And when you get a Nate Solder, guess what happens? You don't want to have Nate Solder because you're going to overpay him. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show. That is my question for you today. The Seahawks and Dwayne Brown are playing a game of chicken. Brown wants some sort of new deal, and we're not sure that Seattle wants to give it to him. Based off of what you heard from Pete Carroll, I would lean towards no. Would it be practical for the Seahawks to give the soon-to-be 36-year-old left tackle an extension? You get to answer that on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 206-421-3776. You call in in five minutes, your chance to be heard. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration, but right now it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by king's heating and air and by the way our training camp coverage is presented by pre home fitness maura dooley good monday to you good monday (laughs) sounds so proper uh (laughs) Uh, well we did get we talked a lot about dwayne brown to start the show there we did get an update also about jamal adams from peter king in his football morning in america column He said, I hear the Seahawks have stretched themselves quite a bit for Adams, but he's still not happy with the offer. And if you know Seattle's negotiating stance, it's not likely that the offer is going to change now. I think one of the more important things that Pete Carroll said yesterday in that press conference is that the Seahawks essentially have a background when it comes to negotiations.
0: We have been through a lot. We've had a lot of really... High-quality individuals in the program—guys that we love, we've worked with for a long time. And we've watched them go through the process of it, and, and we do have a lot of information about that. And We have a lot of experience there, so you know we try to utilize it and help our guys as, as they go through it. Um, but it, it, for the players going through it, it's usually their first time, and they have to go through and, and and try to you know get a sense for what's how it's going and how they're feeling about it, and, and figure it out. We we have a little bit more background in that than the players do, so we just have to go through it and. and uh, We've worked very hard to, to to make this work out. We'll see, it, see what happens.
2: The Seahawks have been there and done that. Cam Chancellor, among others. Someone texted in that Walter Jones had in the past been someone that would hold out as well for the Seahawks. So that's going way, way back. I look at the way that they are currently set up, the Seahawks, and I get why they operate the way that they do. And it has worked out for them in the past. I think this is just an exception Because you don't have a means to finding that next tackle. You just don't at this point in time when it comes to Dwayne Brown. But as far as Jamal Adams goes, Jamal Adams and the Seahawks are going to come to an agreement eventually. I feel pretty confident in that. For Jamal Adams, he's feeling this process out for the first time. Things have not gotten acrimonious yet, but I do think that things have hit a standstill, and they thought that a deal would be done by now. But I I don't see Jamal Adams acting the same way that he did in New York. I just don't. I feel like he respects this organization, and this organization respects him. That wasn't necessarily the case with the Jets. All right. Unfortunately, the Mariners lost 3-4 against the Yankees and are now five and a half games back in the wild card. Ugh. I'm angry about this weekend because I thought there was a chance that the Mariners would just get absolutely bludgeoned by the Yankees, that they would lose all of those games by a lot because New York seems to be heating up. Instead, you got good starts and a great start from Marco Gonzalez from all of your starting pitchers. Your bullpen outside of Diego Castillo did what it needed to do. He just couldn't score. And that's been the all-year problem for this team. I know a lot of you right now are probably saying, look, the Mariners have blown leads in five of their last nine games. Yeah, they have. It doesn't look good. It definitely makes the Kendall Graveman trade look bad at this point in time. I would point to Abraham Toro as the guy that you felt comfortable putting in the lead-up spot when you gave J.P. Crawford the day off because he was sick, even though he eventually had to come into the game because Jared Kelman couldn't shut up. You have a huge issue with your bats, and maybe you could have done a little bit more at the trade deadline, trade deadline to add. To your bats to make yourself a better hitting team, but I don't think you were going to make enough of a difference. I guess without giving up some serious capital to put yourself on the same page as the Blue Jays and as the A's, who you have done well against, and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Astros and all and the White Sox, I I just don't think I don't think you were going to be able to do enough at the trade deadline to get you there. But what stinks is you were so close in this series and you should have taken three or four. You really should have. I can tolerate one blown game, but to blow so many the way that they have, I'm not pointing at the bullpen. I'm pointing at an offense that scored less than five runs in four of its last five, less than less than three or less in four of its last five games. I mean, that's that's not good enough, period. And with Jared Kelnick heating up and Abraham Toro hitting, other guys got to pick up the slack. Kyle Seeger sporadically hits, but where's everybody else? They should have hit better in the Bronx. They didn't. And that Yankee pitching was ripe for the picking. I mean, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They're dealing with COVID right now. You didn't even have to go up against Garrett Cole. Blown opportunity. I'm pretty mad about it. But I'm going to blame it on the trade. I'm not sure that's entirely fair. Though I understand why you might. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show. What's trending with more? Dually brought to you every single morning at 1015. Thanks to our friends at King's Heating and Air 10.30 in the sports pit, Michael Bumpus, who also was out at the Seahawks mock game, is going to join me. We'll talk about what we saw at the game. Not a real lot of huge takeaways from the game. It was more what happened afterwards with Pete Carroll weighing in on both Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown's situations that I found most compelling, but we will talk about it. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Dwayne Brown wants a new deal. Would it be practical for the Seahawks to give him a new one? He's going to be 36 at the end of the month. I say yes. What do you say? It's your chance to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to
0: be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be
2: heard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I'm going to scroll down and find a text that had to do with was a comparison. So the Hawks need that one player. But the M's don't? Hmm. Sounds like Paul is just happy his Astros got great, we made a breakup. We broke up publicly because they threw up a guy, J.P. Crawford. It's over. I'm not happy about this. As far as that, I'm over them. I have been a baseball version of the Hulk wandering from team to team, and now I'm happily aboard the Seattle Mariners bandwagon. Now, I look at that trade with Kendall Graveman as something that got you something you needed. You are 30th in team batting average. You are 29th in on-base percentage. You are 28th in, o- in OPS. You are 4th in strikeouts. You can't hit. Get Abraham Toro. Hitting helps you more than Kendall Graveman can on a game-to-game basis. Because Kendall Graveman's not pitching for you every single night. He can get you out of some jams. And yeah, he would have been better than Diego Castillo this weekend. No arguing that. Diego Castillo has stunk thus far. Has to be better. Has to be better. But the Kendall Graveman trade is not the reason that the Mariners sank over the weekend. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me, at Says, facebook.com, slash Sports. Text, this question about Rashad Penny. Did not see Rashad Penny yesterday. So Pete Carroll said afterwards that he's dealing with a quad injury which is concerning, and, and I'll also say on Friday when I was at training camp practice, he's had a couple of moments where guys have rolled up underneath him, and I still think he's a little tentative running out there. And they held him out, along with uh, DJ Reed, from the mock game yesterday, as a precautionary reason. Yeah, and, and you saw more Alex Collins, who looked solid. I don't really know what to make of the running backs out there, because it was weird the mock game. Like I don't know what's tackles and what's, what's not a tackle. I thought Chris Carson looked great again, and I want to see more Chris Carson this season, as I talked about later. Text in 710 710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Hey Paul Gallant, you sound like you are a whiner. Yes, I am a paid whiner. That is my job. I get to whine about sports for a living. How you like that? 206 421 3776 is how you call in. Would you give Dwayne Brown an extension? I would. I don't think the Seahawks have a choice. You gotta have that guy for you every single game. Robertson Kingsgate. Robert, what's up?
1: Hey Paul, thanks for taking my call. And um a little health tip for you, you know, that I should have passed on to you know, not knowing that you have allergies and all that. I lived in Asia for six years. Leho, Leho Ma, six <laughs> up on May, And um I just mean how that just means how are you doing? Okay. How you eating? Blah blah blah. Well, every morning, um I noticed a lot of my you know, my wife, you know, she's Chinese, and she would drink lemon water. Okay. Early in the morning, the first thing that she drinks, and it helps your throat, and it actually clears it out very good. You know, because she has allergies too, and okay, you know, it, it it just works, and I do it, and it really helps out. You're a good friend, Robert. I, you know, I don't want to
2: bore people with with details about my allergies, though. Let's let, let, let's get to the sports <laughs> take. I'm going to take your advice on this, but let's 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 get to okay, the sports. Okay.
1: All right. I, I just think that um, one, I agree with you that we should sign Dwayne Brown definitely, but it is going to hurt us because. We have absolutely no pass rush. Uh, you know, we did not do anything to, mm. to help the Seahawks pass rush. You don't think so? Too.
2: Kerry Hyder? I mean, they brought in Kerry Hyder. Alden Smith has been out there a lot. I, I, I have my doubts about Alden Smith, but I don't think the Seahawks have a lot of doubts about Alden Smith based off of how much I've seen him with mm-hmm. the, I would say, primary unit uh, in thus far. You know, like, he, he's been out there. They seem to think that he's going to be able to contribute, and he's slimmed down a little bit. So, I don't know, maybe they put him in that Leo spot. I, I, I think they have, actually, Robert, addressed the pass rush. And by the way, the pass rush, the second half of last year, it was pretty good. And I don't think it was all Jamal Adams blitzes. It was partly Jamal Adams blitzes. But, no, that when they added Carlos Dunlap, they got better. And they brought Carlos Dunlap back, too.
1: Yeah, but still, when we played the – you know, look at – I'm watching the game right now, the replay of the Rams when we lost. We were nowhere – yeah, you know, it's just like our defensive line just looked like mush. So I kind of disagree with you, Paul, so we'll just end it with that. But okay. I'm just going to say, I think it's the defensive line and tight end is going to probably be our weakest spots and linebacker. If we lose mm. Bobby Wagner, mm. uh, hopefully not, pray to God, no, who's going to be our linebacker?
2: Uh, Jordan Brooks would probably slide into that, and Robert, appreciate the phone call. I think he would slide in there, and then you would probably put in Cody Barton at the uh, weak side linebacker position. Yeah, if an injury happens, you're not in great shape at that position. Especially without K.J. Wright. Though, K.J. Wright unsigned maybe gives you the flexibility to, if an injury happens, bring him back into the fold. He has not signed with anybody yet, even though he visited Las Vegas. So, that at the very least is something that you have in your back pocket. Dwayne Brown is somebody that needs to be back for this team to, I think, be successful. And I don't feel good about giving Dwayne Brown a contract at age 36. I don't. Because as danny was laying out earlier this morning you don't know what's going to happen over the course of the season you have no idea and this is a guy who has suffered injuries before he has played through a lot of them he is exceptionally tough i think some in the locker room have called him the toughest player on the team but he's 36 starting at the uh beginning of september and I get the hesitation, but how are you going to get that next left tackle? It's so hard to find a left tackle. Houston was moronic for trading two first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil at face value, but how else were they going to get a tackle? Now, they were desperate, and Laramie Tunsil turns out to be an okay tackle for them, but how do you get one? No team wants to part ways with their starting left tackle. If they find a good one, they will keep him. And they will keep him as long as they possibly can. So how do you get one? Overpay for one in free agency that, that, that is allowed to walk? Like when the Seahawks let George Fant walk? George Fant's essentially a swing tackle now in New York. You have to take a flyer on somebody that most teams don't want. And hope that that potential pays off. It usually doesn't. So, yeah, overpaying for Dwayne Brown now, there's a risk there. I am willing to take the risk of paying Dwayne Brown now and what he could give you potentially next year more so than I'm willing to just say, yeah, you know what? I'm okay with Dwayne Brown potentially not playing eight games and waiting until the off season for Dwayne Brown to walk in free agency. And then potentially all the hullabaloo that Russell Wilson might have if he's getting sacked 60 times a year, which I imagine could be a possibility in a 17 game schedule without Dwayne Brown for half of it. I'm Paul Gallant. It is the Paul Gallant show, 710 ESPN Seattle up next. Michael Bumpus joins me in the Sports Pit. We'll talk about the Seahawks mock game, some of our observations, specifically about the offense, and a newfound rhythm.
0: It's 10.30, and that means it's time to get in the Sports Pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some frickin' toughness, you're gonna get your, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. With all going on.
2: And joining me right now is Michael Bumpus on the heels of the Seahawks mock game yesterday Bump, I had a really difficult time figuring out what was going on. I can only imagine how hard it must have been for referees. What was a tackle? What wasn't a tackle? I mean, guys were getting two hands shoved, and plays were continuing. My favorite moment was when I think it was Aaron Donkor was blitzing up the middle, and then he just stops, turns around, and goes in the other direction so he wouldn't kill Russell Wilson.
4: <laughs> yeah, mock games are tough. Like you got to know what you're looking for. Offensively, you're you're looking to see. Is there spacing in the route concepts and what kind of push is the offensive line getting? I feel bad for the defense. The defense, they're the guys who kind of suffer in these mock ins because you can't hit the quarterback. You can't tackle the running backs or the receivers. You're kind of just making sure you're in the right spot and showing your coach, like, look, I could have made this tackle. Uh, It's rough for the defense. Offensively, you can kind of see what they're trying to accomplish.
2: Offensively, I was intrigued by what seems to be the tempo, the rhythm that the Seahawks added, and it it felt like when, let's just say, they moved the chains, that's when they decided to pick up the pace. Did you get the same vibe?
4: Yeah, I love the tempo. It it seemed like with the second team, with Geno's squad, Shane really pushed the tempo with that group. I mean, they were getting plays off at some point before 25 seconds on the play clock. And there was only one time I could remember that the number ones, Russell Wilson's group, um, got a playoff under like five or six seconds. Remember last year, that was our complaint. We're like, why is it taking so long to get these plays in? And why is it taking so long for Russell Wilson kind of diagnose what's going on? But I like the flow. I like the tempo. And then the play action game seemed, to, seemed a lot more fluid than it did last year with Schottenheimer.
2: What did you think about the wide receivers? And I know there's probably a battle between Rashad, or it's not Rashad, between Penny Hart, and he suffered an ankle injury on a a, a deep play in that game. And also Freddie Swain, the guy that you have really liked throughout camp.
4: Man, before Penny Hart got hurt, he was making a case for himself. And you see that they like him because of the positions that they put him in. They were trying to get him the football. I believe before he got hurt, he had three or four catches. Uh, Freddie was running with the ones. I think that battle just got a bit tighter i like freddie swain i like what he brings to the table but there's no denying the speed that penny hart has when the ball is in his hands i hope he's okay he went up for a 50 50 football in the end zone came down kind of awkward but um that race is getting tight and we haven't even seen Eskridge yet no. So that's good right we we're we're going back and forth be- between swain and Hart, and we haven't even seen the hawks uh, first pick
2: what, what's Eskridge gonna do when he comes back in i, I i'm i'm hesitant to f- be optimistic about his return because I imagine he's way behind everybody else when it comes to knowing what he's supposed to do on offense.
4: Yeah, he's behind. He's missing valuable reps. It's for a good reason though. You got to make sure this guy is healthy. I think he's going to have to make an impact on special teams immediately. That's where he can make an impact. And in the return game, we saw Freddie Swing returning yep. punts. We saw him return kickoff returns as well. John Ursua was back there for one punt return, but it got it got kicked. I mean, excuse me, it got blocked. Yeah, so, sudden right. Yeah, I think that's where he's got to try to fit in right now. Um, Right now, I feel like John Ursula is the odd man out. So whatever he's doing, Eskridge has to kind of solidify himself just one step um, in front of John Ursula, and I think he'll be okay. I mean, there's no denying he's going to be out there, right? He's going to play. He's going to be in the field in some way. But how much? He's definitely behind. Um, But we'll see some Eskridge
3: this year.
2: Ursua had a tough drop towards the end of practice on, on Friday, so we'll, we'll see yeah. as, he, as he tries to stay on the team. Russell Wilson had some interesting comments yesterday, Bump, and it had to do with the new Shane Waldron offense, and he said a lot of interesting things about the ad-libbing that he now has the ability to do at the line of scrimmage. He calls it the extension of he and Shane, and he says that while he in the past has had freedom to change calls at the line, he now maybe has more freedom.
3: I think that we've, I've always been able to change the play for the most part, you know, along my, my career. I think, you know, Shadi allowed me to call the plays and stuff like that, a line of scrimmage when we needed to. I think the emphasis of being able to do it all the time, you know, all throughout the game, you know, is the key. I think that's a little bit different, you know, in that sense. But, you know, I, I think that I have freedom, obviously, you know, for sure. Uh, I think the fun part is we have just so much that we can do and so many reasonings and so, so many whys to it. Uh, I think this is what's really been really exceptional.
2: Freedom all throughout the game. What, what do you think he means by that?
4: It just means that he is able to change plays at a, I guess, a higher rate. You know, maybe Schottenheimer would wouldn't allow him to change things as often as he wanted. You know, maybe Shane. I mean, um, excuse me. Schottenheimer was the guy to say, "Look, I know you want to change in here, but let's just let's just give them this certain look." With Shane Waldron, Shane's probably telling him, "Look, put us in the best situation," and that's what you want as a quarterback. You know, during this offseason, that's what. Russell Wilson, one of his, um, I guess, his needs were. He wants to be more involved when it comes to personnel, decision-making. That's all part of it being a quarterback. We all know Peyton Manning is is the great Omaha guy. He will change the play whenever he didn't like anything. I think that's what he wants, and that sounds like that's what he's going to get. And I think that's a result of having a first-year offensive coordinator who, in a smart way, is going to lean on his veteran quarterback. So, I mean, hopefully— we see Russell Wilson put this offense in situations to succeed when the box is stacked up or they have matchups on the outside that he likes.
2: Michael Bumpus is hanging in the sports pit with me and, and while we continue with Russell Wilson and, and the offense, I I'm curious as to how similar things might be to the way that they were for the Rams, Sean McVay and Jared Goff. I always got the sense bump that Sean McVay was almost operating inside Jared Goff's brain like it's men in black and he was just sitting <laughs> up in his head and sort of navigating Jared Goff around and we heard yesterday that Shane Waldron going to be calling plays I guess up in the box. I'm curious as to what that communication is going to be because some of the things that they've been talking about this extension I, I wonder if at the line of scrimmage we're going to see some of the same things between Shane and Russ going all the way down to whenever the Seahawks decide to call a play, and snap the ball?
4: I'm sure there will be times that happens because um, late in the game, you know, maybe you're getting a, a look by this defense that not you didn't all really, game. really prepare for. Yeah, but not all game. I think McVay being in Jared Goff's head or his his headset, whatever you want to call it, was just a result of him just not trusting the guy. Mm. And there's no reason not to trust Russell Wilson. He's had a great career so far. He had 40 touchdowns last year in an offense – that kind of died towards the end of the season. So I think there will be times where that happens, but because of just the caliber of quarterback that Russell Wilson is, you're going to let this guy go. And and it's how do you function? Maybe some maybe Jared Goff wanted all that, that data, that information, down to the very last second. I don't think Russell's that type of guy. I think he receives the play, he's analyzing it, he gets a line of scrimmage, and then he's the all-pro quarterback that we've seen.
2: Pete Carroll yesterday acknowledged that both Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown are holding in. What would you do, Bump, with the Dwayne Brown situation? I would pay him, even though it's probably not the smartest idea in the world, to pay a 36-year-old before he plays the last year of his contract because I'm nervous that he might hold out the way that he did in Houston. How would you handle the situation if you were in the Seahawks' front office?
4: Man, I'd pay the man. I know he's old. I know it's probably not the smart thing to do business-wise, But this guy, I think he was ranked number two tackle in the league last year when it comes to uh, giving up sacks or getting pressure on the quarterback. You have to ignore the birth certificate. Facts are this dude can still play and signing this dude will make your quarterback happy. It's kind of like, I know people don't like it, but you got to make your quarterback happy, man. And he wants that guy there. He is their best offensive lineman. So you got to try to get it done. You cannot blow the bank and, and give him some astronomical number. But you also can't disrespect him. So it's a tricky game. But you got to get Jamal done first. I think Jamal is priority. you got to make sure he's straight, he's good to go. And then you go to Dwayne Brown, 36 years old, but he can still play. I think you to got to give him his money.
2: That is Michael Bumpus. He joins me every morning, every Monday in the Sports Pit at 10.30, and he'll be back with us on Danny and Gallant on both Wednesday and Friday in the 8 o'clock hour. Bump, thank you so much, man. All right, man. Have a good one. That is Michael Bumpus, at Michael Bumpus 5 on Twitter. You've got to be following him as the Seahawks training camp preseason continues. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in to 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line, the Seahawks and Dwayne Brown are playing a game of chicken. Should the Seahawks turn off to the right and give Dwayne Brown his money? I've got another reason for why they should next.
0: You're listening to Paul Gallant.
2: Powered
1: through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN
2: Seattle. Seattle. The Seahawks need to pay Dwayne Brown. Gotta have him in the fold for the first eight games of the year. This is a guy who has been willing in the past to sit out games to make a point. Think he's not going to do it again? Of course he is. Of course he is. He wants to make sure that he's got himself money going forward. And I don't blame him for it. He's one of the best left tackles in the league still, despite being 35, about to turn 36, August 30th. That is his birthday. And here's another reason for bringing him back in the fold. Your offensive line is not in good shape right now. It is. It is a unit that, honestly, I think needs reinforcements, and I don't know if that's something the Seahawks are thinking about, kicking the tires on, but Ethan Posick has a hamstring injury. That's your starting center. So that means Kyle Fuller moves up to center number one. Jamarco Jones, one of your backup guards. You can move him to tackle if you want. He hasn't done so well at tackle. He's banged up. Cedric Aubui, he's banged up. Nothing's things can change over the course of the next month. There might be some guys who are cut that the Seahawks might think to themselves, you know what, this guy could fit on our offensive line. But the longer this holdout goes, and it's now been acknowledged as a holdout by Pete Carroll by the Seahawks, I feel like the more likely it is that Brown could miss some serious time. I have no concerns about a Jamal Adams agreement being reached. I have read that perhaps if a Jamal Adams agreement is reached, that then maybe the Seahawks can start to work on a Dwayne Brown contract. But based off of what we heard from Pete Carroll at yesterday's post-mock game press conference, it doesn't really sound like the Seahawks are that in on giving him that extension. He was so curt whenever he's been asked about a Brown extension or with Jamal Adams, he has been willing to go into detail outside of the question he was asked about at what point would he be, in, be concerned about a Jamal Adams extension to which he responded like, I don't have to answer that, <laughs> which was pretty amusing. 710, is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's brewing company text line. You can also tweet me at Gallant says, we have some texts about the Mariners. We'll get back to some of those texts about the Mariners. They choked away this weekend. It's, I'm mad about that. Got to score more runs, guys. Come on. When you look at Brown's impact on the offensive line, I don't think there's anybody that's going to have the potential for more impact on making this team, I guess, at its best and that unit at its best this coming season. Who's going to be better? Is Gabe Jackson going to elevate the play of everybody around him at right guard? Is it going to be Brandon Shell? Is it going to be Damian Lewis? Maybe it could be Damian Lewis. I, I feel pretty good about Lewis going forward. Jackson, though, I mean, the Raiders were willing to move on from him. They didn't seem to care that much about trading away him and his fairly expensive contract. Who is going to hold things together? My question to you. Would you give Dwayne Brown an extension? The poll on Twitter, Acalon says, 75% say yes. 25% say no. 75% of you think it would be practical. Uh, Paul tweets in, a two-year deal seems fair. Brown, while older, is still very good and a leader of the team. They also have zero ability to replace him. That's the big problem. How do you replace him? How do you replace him now? How do you replace him going forward? Another tweet, this one from Derek. Whitworth's going to turn 40 in December. Andrew Whitworth with the Rams. Push Brown's contract to him hitting 40 and pay the man some money. Now, that's interesting. Do you think that he's going to be able to play from now until he is 40 years old? That is, I think, a little bit aggressive. Over the top. I'm willing to go like two years to push things down the road, give him more guaranteed money next year, and, and see what happens. And yeah, that might be burnt money, but... What else are you going to burn that money in? You do have a DK Metcalf extension to get to next offseason. I think that's the next big contract on the books. You're going to have to give him a lot based off of what he has done thus far, based off of his profile too as a just star in this league. He's going to want a lot. So it's going to take away some money from that. It's going to take away some money potentially if he gets hurt from your ability to replace him, but I mean – we know that the Seahawks, in free agency, they don't throw money, big-time money, at offensive linemen. That hasn't been something that they have done. I think they are wise to that. They, they would rather draft the guy. And if you don't have a first-round pick, how are you getting that tackle? You're going to draft them in the third round? You're going to draft them in the fourth round? You have You have got to stumble into a miracle to end up finding a guy that can be your future left tackle that late in the draft. It just generally happens in the first round. And if you don't have a first-round pick, where is it going to happen? 7-10, 7-10, is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. <laughs> let's, let's take a look at some of these Mariners conversations. All weekend, when the M's played the Yankees, I heard it was a big deal for the young guys in their first visit to Yankee Stadium. Why does that matter? This Yankee Stadium is 12 years old, and Tropicana Field has more important baseball history in it. <laughs> it is not the hallowed grounds of Ruth and Garrick. Even Jeter's time, there was past his prime. It is a cookie-cutter model, of the real Yankee Stadium. Who cares? You can't deny that that is a much more elevated profile for any baseball player out there. You can't deny that. Jared Kelnick, as someone who grew up watching this game, he knows that if you're playing in New York, you're playing in front of more people than you probably would be for your average Mariners game. That's a fact. You got more people watching. And you know what? To his credit, even though he yapped too much on Sunday, he delivered. I mean, he had a good weekend. I, I'm actually feeling pretty good about Kellnick going forward after this weekend. This is big. This is big for his confidence. He just now has to shut up. <laughs> Stop getting so mad at the umps, dude. You're not going to get every single call. And guess what else is going to happen? You keep doing this, you're going to develop a reputation. And guys aren't going to be friendly with you. We know that this sport, more than any other one, is one of these ridiculous ones where these guys' personalities and emotions, the umpires we're talking about, they go from game to game to game. Basketball's the same way. You do not want to give yourself the reputation of being that guy. Because if you're that guy, those guys are not going to help you out. They will take pleasure in messing with you. Shouldn't be that way, no doubt about it. But guess what? It is that way. So, Jared, calm down, bro. Relax. Get up to the plate next time. See everything out. But just walk away. You're never going to win that battle. I'm Paul Gallant. This was the Paul Gallant Show. Big thanks to everybody who tuned in, who called in, who texted in, who tweeted in. Michael Bump is in the sports pit. Maura Dooley, who produces this show every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. Your coverage, uh, our coverage of Seahawks training camp is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. And it continues with Jake and Stacy next. So long, farewell, have yourselves a wonderful Monday.